Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. He's coming. Some call him Apocalypse. He was some kind of god. For thousands of years, he's been amassing mutants to take their powers. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one! I've never felt power like this before. They took him. Raven, the world needs the X-Men. I'm not a hero. Students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Him and my mom, they did. No, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. Apocalypse means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god and the most powerful beings on earth. Forget everything you think you know. None of that matters. You're not students anymore. I'll take everything from them. You're X-Men. Well, you've been busy. We had a little help. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to Church in the Valley. My name's Thad Lanthrop. I'm the administrative pastor here. And last week we begun our Relationships at the Box Office message series. And through this series, our aim is really to take a look at the messages that are coming at us um, from the movies and, and media. And last week we gave you some tools and some questions uh, to ask when you watch a movie. And we encourage you to, to screen carefully the thoughts and perspective that's being transmitted to you at the box office. Movies have a way of, of drawing us in. They, they pull us into the storyline, to maybe a character that we identify with. But the, the movies, they, they just they pull us in to start rooting for, for the good guys to win. Um, and it, it doesn't matter how far-fetched that character's abilities are. We, we're still drawn in, and the, it, we still are getting messages that come that come at us. No matter how unbelievable the movie might seem, the character might seem to you, there's still a very real message that is coming at us through that that movie. Sometimes the the good guy in the movie just has some really appalling habits, or the ways that that he relates is is 
really repulsing, but he's the hero. And, and we want him to accomplish his task so we can put it up with in the movie. But in real life, we just wouldn't want to be around that person. Because some of his just relational interactions, they're just, they're just wrong. So in this series, we're going to be looking specifically at the habits that kill relationships. And so we, we have six movies that we're going through and we're going to be evaluating. Today, we're, we're taking a look at how pride destroys um, everything in its path. We see this as the root of the problem in the main villain in the X-Men Apocalypse movie that we just watched. So as we get started this morning, I want to give you a storyline of the movie. No, don't worry. No, no spoiler is going to happen here. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't spoil it for you. Um, but here's just a quick storyline so we can get a base for what we're talking about this morning. Since the dawn of civilization, he was worshipped as a god. Apocalypse, the first and most powerful mutant from Marvel's X-Men universe, amassed the powers of many other mutants becoming immortal and invincible. Upon awakening after thousands of years, he is disillusioned with the world as he finds it and recruits a team of powerful mutants, including a disheartened Magneto, to cleanse mankind and create a new world order over which he will reign. As the fate of Earth hangs in the balance, Raven, with the help of Professor X, must lead a team of young X-Men to stop their greatest nemesis and save mankind from complete destruction. And as we heard in that that intro video there, Apocalypse has a quote where he says, everything they've built will fall and from the ashes from their world will will build a better one. Quite the statement. Apocalypse, he sees himself as the solution to the world's problems. Pride is driving him. He has great power and in the film he claims to be a god and he's on a mission to cleanse the world and gain full control because he knows what's best for the world. The idea of thinking that we know what's best, that relates to us. It, it, it actually relates to mankind from the very beginning of the world. Throughout history, mankind has, has tried to exalt ourselves to be like God. We see this at the beginning of creation. After God had created the world and everything in it, he gave instruction to man to not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Let's see what happens when the serpent, Satan, tempts man to eat from the tree. Let's see what he says. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 says, Now the the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good. And evil. The question that Satan is tempting them with there is Do you want to be restricted? Do you want to be just this lowly person? Or do you want to be like God? Satan presented the opportunity to rise in rank, to not be lower than God, 
He held out the promise of divinity. Man bought into the lie, and serious consequences followed from that decision. And in chapter 11 of Genesis, the people of the earth all settled in one region and came up with this idea of building a tower that would reach the heavens. Another example of man trying to rise in the ranks. Let's take a look at what, what is said there. Genesis 11, 4 says, Then they said, <clears throat> Come, let us build, a, build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You see this pattern throughout Scripture where man tries to take on a higher, posi- higher position than they should, and then God brings about con- consequences to humble them. But still today, with the examples we find in the Bible and <clears throat> our own personal experience, we still move towards pride. We still drift that direction to try to dominate others. In the movies, these superhero characters, they see themselves as gods. <clears throat> and if... I'm going to have to get a drink real quick. I could feel it coming on when I was standing over there. I knew I was going to have to. Um, <clears throat> that's better. So in, in, the, in the movies, these superhero characters, um, they see themselves as God. And <clears throat> if you are a God, then you don't need to answer to anyone. So the superheroes, they don't need to bow to anyone. They, they don't need to worry about the relationships around them because they're doing what's right. They know what's right. They're doing what is right. But in the real world, this presents a, a, a real problem. Relationships, they're a constant struggle we all battle in our hearts. Take a look at what Ecclesiastes 9.3 says. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, <clears throat> and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. This verse, what it's saying is, we, we have a heart, pride is a heart problem. The word madness there comes, comes from the Hebrew word, which the Old Testament was written in, hallelah, which means praise self. <coughs> oh, I thought I muted it. Sorry. <clears throat> We're just getting off to a good start here. Okay, so the, the word madness in Ecclesiastes 9.3 comes from the, word, the Hebrew word halelah, which means to praise self. This is where our, our problem is generated from. We have this desire for personal glory and praise. And according to this verse, it's just going to be with us for all of our days here on the earth. There is hope that we can grow in this area and, and grow out of that, that desire, but not completely. And we're just going to continually battle with it through our, our days. So we need to figure out how do we do that? How do we battle against pride? Psalm 75, 4 through 5, talks about pride again. It says, To the arrogant I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with an outstretched neck. We see this picture of arrogance in this verse. It, its display here is this dominance over others. Um, the, there's a metaphor going on here of, of the animal world where it talks about lifting up or, or 
your lifting up your horns. Um, and what it is, is, is that signifies this defiant strutting, this self-confidence over other people. Or if you speak or interact with a stiff and outstretched neck, we're boasting before others. Now, there's certain ways that we can act if we have an outstretched neck. And it's easy to spot when somebody's just trying to dominate over someone. You can see it in the, the way their posture is or, or how they're, they're carrying themselves, just walking along, um, feeling like they own the place. You know, you get that picture, you can see that. And then the movies, you get a condensed form of pride in a few minutes over, over, or over a few hours of somebody who's operating in, in pride. It, it's, they're pretty extreme examples of pride, like in, in the X-Men movie Apocalypse. Somebody who says that they're going to just destroy the world and then build on its ashes to make it better, you, you can spot, you know, hey, that guy's got a little pride problem there. <laughs> you can see it. But oftentimes, we shift into choosing pride in more subtle ways. For example, maybe at work, you might get some direction from your boss to do your job in a certain way, but you, you think, you know, my, my boss, he's not around all day, day to day, every day, and he doesn't really know what's going on here, so I'm just going to do it just a, a little bit different than how he said, because that's really what's going to be the most helpful for the company, because I, I know what's best. I know what to do. That might be an example of pride creeping in there. Or with people, you might think, man, they're just so sensitive. They, they shouldn't have been offended by that. I didn't really say anything too bad there. And so you realize, okay, they're hurt. So in, instead of really just asking forgiveness, admitting you did wrong, you say, you know, if, if you were offended by that, I'm, I'm really sorry. What you're saying there is, if you're so weak to have been offended by that, I'm sorry. It's a put down. You're elevating yourself in that situation. Or when people offend us and apologize to us, sometimes it's easy for us to just want to brush it off. Say, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. It's all right. When in, in fact, we're really stewing on the hurt that happened. And it, it, it's, it's just stewing inside of us, and we, we're not forgiving and, and letting go of it. Or you might just think, you know, I'm always the one in the relationship to do fill in the blank. When we have that attitude, I'm always the one to do this, we're thinking only about ourselves. And that, that is, the, the, it's pride coming out. Maybe it's I'm always the one to do the dishes at home or pick up the toys or I'm always the one at work to, to do the thing that nobody else wants to do. Whenever we're doing that, we're taking a position that we're so good that we do all this and, and we're looking down on other people. Do any of those examples sound familiar? I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I, I, I'll raise my hand. It sounds pretty familiar to me. As we looked at earlier, we're going to have to deal with, with pride our whole lives. And as you read through the Bible, you find that pride just causes all kinds of problems if we don't deal with it in our personal lives. Take a look at Proverbs 13.10. It says, pride only, only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. 
Pride is going to cause problems in our relationships. It's going to cause problems by refusing to ask forgiveness when we've done wrong. The pride in us, it, it tells us to elevate ourselves to a higher position than, than we should be in. And when we're elevated, when we're, we think of ourselves so highly, there's not really much room for me to do any wrong. There's a lot of room for other people to do wrong, but not so much for me. So why would I ask forgiveness? When, when I've been relating the best I know how, and I, I, I feel like I've done a good job, how could I have done anything wrong to ask forgiveness for? And this attitude, it pushes people away. Because nobody really wants to be around a know-it-all who, who is damaging people and has no clue that it's going on or doesn't want to ask forgiveness. Pride, it, it pushes people away. Pride also, it refuses to grant forgiveness when someone's wronged us. Pride, it, it doesn't forgive when someone hurts me because how dare you hurt me? Pride says, I'm above what you did. I would never do that to someone. How, how dare you do that to me? I'm not going to forgive you. So instead of choosing to forgive, pride chooses to hold grudges, which causes relationships to, to have divides in them and just continue to be fractured for as long as they're around. And eventually you might just, just check out and not be, have a relationship with that person anymore. And then pride also refuses to team with others. Elevating ourselves, it gives us the feeling that, that we know. We know what's right to do in this situation. In reality, we might not have all the information that's needed to make a decision or to move forward or to, to act in a certain situation. But pride makes us think we know. We know what to do. We know what to do, what's best, so it's my way or the highway. Go with me in the way I'm going, or you can, you can check out and go somewhere else. These are just three ways that pride it breeds quarrels in our relationships. And there's much more that, that pride can do because when you have the attitude that we really know what's best in a certain situation or we have it all, we have it all together and we don't do any wrongs in, in our relationships, when you take that attitude, it, it leads us to make choices day in, day out that make a dig, big difference in our relationships over time. And if we aren't careful, careful, we continue to choose pride and it snowballs and destroys the relationships that are precious to us. Not asking or granting forgiveness, not working with people, this pattern of relating is just going to continually push people away. Watch any superhero movie and you see what happens to the villain. Now, again, this is an extreme example of, of pride, but you see what happens to the villain. They continue to operate in pride throughout the whole movie. And by the end of the movie, they're either isolated in a jail cell somewhere or isolated somewhere worse, or they're dead. And there's no one left around them because they've just been pushing people away. But at the end, you always, the villain still is holding on to they know what's best to do. If they could just get out of this situation, their plan will come together and they'll make it happen. Pride, it's a villain. It's a villain that leaves you isolated and lonely and, and bitter. Bitterness will come from not forgiving others because we're going to choose to hold grudges when we do that. And the loneliness, it's going to come out of not being willing to work with people or ask forgiveness, which just causes these rifts 
in our relationships. And even if you reach the pinnacle of what you are going after, if you've continually operated in pride, you're going to get to that, whatever it is, the status or financial situation, material positions, whatever it is, you're going to get there and you're going to look around and you don't have anybody to enjoy it with or to share it with. And this just causes more loneliness and bitterness. And it makes it harder and harder to build future relationships. Maybe you're sitting out there today and, and God's shown you something that, that oh man, I, pride's really creeped in in this area or in that area. Whatever it is, pride, it's sneaky and it just sneaks into our lives without us realizing it a lot of times. If that is the case, then, then there's hope. There's hope for how to relate rightly. The Bible, it has a lot to say about relating rightly. And with God's help, our relationships can really flourish. I want to take a look at Colossians 3, 12 and 13 right, right now. And the, this verse, the, just some context for this verse, is Paul, he's an early church planner, and he's writing this letter to the, the Colossians. And he's just finished um, explaining to them to put off their old ways of doing things. Put off the, your... your old ways of relating and, and how you live your life. And, he's, and he, then he's going into, here's what you need to do to relate rightly. So let's, let's take a look at that. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If our relationships are going to flourish, then we're going to need to adopt a different way of living other than just what's going to come natural to us. This verse, it's telling us, clothe yourselves with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. So how do we close ourselves with, with these character qualities? You can think of it as similar to putting on your clothes in, in the morning. We all make decisions when we're getting dressed. We, we, take a, we take a look forward to what's coming up today. What's going to be appropriate for the occasion? Should I wear my green shirt? Should I wear my blue shirt? Maybe you're feeling, you know, extra bold. You want to wear the salmon shirt that day? Whatever it may be. Do we wear our jeans or khakis? What, what do we put on for, for the day? We make these decisions about what we're going to, to wear each day. And we need to do the same when it comes to the character that we, need, we want to put on in any given situation. So as we encounter situations with, with people, we need to ask ourselves, what's appropriate for this occasion? What's appropriate for this situation that I'm dealing with? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, they're, they're all appropriate at different times in relating with people. But how do I apply that to this specific situation that I'm dealing with right now? Sometimes it, it's hard to even know when we aren't relating rightly. We're so caught up in how we do things that we don't even see ways that, that we're re relating in the wrong way. It's easy to just go with what's coming, coming naturally as we relate to people, not think about it. Just keep going with the flow of life. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. 
they're not just going to happen because we've read the verse and we, we got it all figured out now. It's not just going to happen that way. And then the verse, it goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. This is something that, that you don't hear very often in our culture today. The prevailing thought nowadays is one of pride. If somebody does something wrong to me, then I have every right to do wrong back to them. They damage me, I'm going to damage back. Or if they damage me, I'm just going to, I'm done. I'm just going to take off. I'm not going to bear with, with someone. But Paul, what he's talking about here, he's saying to those who follow Christ, they're told to bear with their relationships. How do you do that? How do you bear with a relationship when you, you feel so hurt by someone? You're just in so much pain in that relationship. The answer to that question comes in the next part of Colossians 3, 13, where it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, it's impossible. It's impossible to clothe ourselves in these character traits and extend forgiveness without God's help and the proper perspective on life. We can't relate rightly without a relationship with God. As, as we've looked at this morning, the normal thing for us to do is to think higher of ourselves and, than we really are. And that causes, it causes us to not forgive. It causes us to relate in a damaging way. But becoming a follower of Christ is an admission that we couldn't do life on our own. You're saying that I admit that I have sinned, which caused separation between me and God. And there's nothing that I can do to restore that relationship with God because God's perfect and I am not. I chose rebellion. But God, not me, God sent his son to come to, to the earth and to live a perfect life. And when he died on the cross, after living a perfect life, he made a way for us to have a restored relationship with God. And accepting that free gift of eternal life is an admission that I'm not perfect and that I need Christ's sacrifice to save me from my sin. And from that point on, I can try to live God's ways and not my own ways. But the thing is, nowhere in that good news is it because of anything that I've done to have eternal life. I chose rebellion, but God chose to forgive me. It is from that perspective that God forgave me when all I deserved was death. That we can choose humility to counteract the pride in our lives. And when you, you adopt that perspective on life, you can realize some things. You realize that I'm not perfect. But not only am I not perfect, but I'm capable of doing great damage in relationships when I'm left on my own. So when I, I, choose, when I chose to go my own way, that put me on the same level as everyone else. We're all sinners. And I need to forgive others just as God forgave, forgave me. And I need to evaluate my life to see if there's any areas where I've done wrong because I'm capable of it. I'm not perfect. 
that perspective is going to, to give you a whole different look on life, to be able to deal with people, to relate to people in humility instead of, instead of operating out of our pride. And with God's help, I can evaluate my relational patterns by reading the Bible consistently to see how God wants me to relate to others, in my marriage, on the job, in parenting, in my friendships, whatever it is. I can read the Bible and apply it to my life to try and relate in the right way. Or I can pray and ask God just to show me, show me ways that I'm not relating rightly. Give me some perspective on that. Or I can ask a, a trusted friend who knows the Bible's patterns for relating to, to point out any, way, any patterns in my life that I'm just not relating rightly. It is only with God's help that we can continually choose humility in our relationships. And when we operate out of the perspective that, that we are sinners saved only by God's grace, then we can show the compassion and kindness and humility in our relationships regardless of how we're being treated by other people. Pride, it destroys our relationships. But through a relationship with Christ, we can choose to bear with each other, forgive each other, and relate rightly. And when we do that, that will produce the kind of relationships that we won't just bail on, but they'll grow stronger and stronger over time. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning by asking you to think through a couple of next steps. Um, while I'm, I'm doing this, I'd like to ask the band to head on up here and the ushers to get ready to receive the offering. Please pull out that connection card out of your program that Pastor Randy was talking about earlier. And in a moment, we're going to receive the, the offering. Please take any time to finish out any information on the front of that connection card. Or um, there's some next steps on the back that I'm suggesting that you might want to take a look at. And you can drop that card in the offering basket as it comes along. Here's a couple next steps. My next step today is to ask God to show me any subtle ways pride is damaging my relationships. Maybe, there, maybe there's just some ways that you're relating that you think are off, but you can't really tell. Ask God for help, or maybe ask, ask a friend to, to help to show you some ways that, that you might need to adjust how you're relating. Or a next step might be clear up relationships I've damaged by choosing pride. Maybe there's something specifically God told you today that, you know what, I, that's not right how I've been relating. I need to clear that up. You can take that next step. Or maybe you want to memorize Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Maybe you want to memorize that as a reminder of how to relate rightly with, with the relationships that you have going on in your life. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship? Lord, we thank you for just the opportunity to be here this morning to, um, to relate to you through worship. And just, um, I just pray that you would help us to choose humility in our relationships, give us specific ways to grow in that um, so that we can relate the way that, that you want us to and have the kinds of relationships that, that grow and thrive and, and become sweeter over time. We pray for your help. We ask for your help in this. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.